Okay, before I get to my next guest, Brian Jacobs, I want to give a shout-out to our friends over at Two Under. Two Under Men's Performance Briefs are the official underwear of the 2021 U.S. Ryder Cup team, the captain and all vice captains. They are worn by more than 30 players on the PGA and Champions Tour. They are also worn by over 70 NCAA Division I colleges and 17 NFL teams. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management, delivering maximum comfort, fit, and performance from the golf course to the boardroom to the bedroom. Find these two underperformance men's briefs in over 4,000 golf pro shops nationwide, all Shields sports stores, PGA Tour Superstore, Golf Galaxy, and other fine retailers near you. Go online to twounder.com. That's the number two, U-N-D-R.com. Two under performance in your pants. Use code on the T20 for a 20% discount at checkouts. Not valid on items already on sale or NCAA license brief. Okay, now next on the T with me and also making his ninth appearance on the show is Brian Jacob. Let me remind you about Brian's background. He earned his undergraduate and then his master's of education from State University of New York at Brockport. He became a PGA Assistant Director of Instruction at Ravenwood Golf Club up in Rochester, New York back in 2006, simultaneously becoming a staff instructor for Hank Haney Golf. In 2010, he became the Director of Instruction and a Hank Haney Certified Instructor at Irondequoit Country Club in Rochester. 2014, he became a lead instructor on the Golf Channel Academy. 2015, he started the Brian Jacobs Academy at Ridgemont Country Club, also up in Rochester. And two of the more recent accomplishments are he was named PGA Magazine Top 100 Instructor and he won the PGA Development Award back in 2020. And I'm very excited he is back with me tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Brian, how are you, my friend? Hey, Chris, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, good. Uh, listening to Keith and Keith and, uh, wow, what two acts to follow? Two. I better step up my game here a little bit. <laughs> and Keith Jarvis wanted me to pass along his hello book. to you. What's that? Oh, awesome. I said I need to be a character in a book, not a comic yeah, book. Yeah, how about that? A real book. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Brian, I want to start off our time tonight. Uh, obviously, the main topic of the night has been Phil Mickelson's win on Sunday. What did you think about what you witnessed? I think it's awesome. Um, for the, I just think it's fantastic. I mean, uh, gosh, where do I start? Um, being an elder statesman myself, it's nice to see uh, how hard he's worked at his body um, and also uh, gaining club head speed and competing um, and still, he's still being Phil, uh, which has been fantastic. Uh, I think he's just awesome for the game. And uh, and what an ambassador as well for the game. Uh, I think it's just just wonderful, you know what happened. And I'm so happy for him. I wish I knew him uh, personally to send him a note and um, you know or shake his hand because I just think that's just phenomenal for the game. And I do think that um, it's going to help us uh, grow the game, you know, with with people that are 50 and older, which I think is uh, a segment of the population that we need to address know pretty seriously right now. And Brian, Keith earlier in the show talked about how you know anything is possible. We've learned that several times in the game of golf. We've seen it 
with Tiger in 2019 winning the Masters. We saw it with Jack back in 86 at the Masters. You go back to Ben Hogan in 1950 coming back from the, the horrible auto accident that he was involved with. We, we've seen it so many times that things are possible through this game, and it inspires us. What do you think Bill's win, again, for those of us that are north of 50, do you think that's going to be an injection to people, and you know, instead of saying, hey, maybe I'm on the back nine? No, you know what? Maybe let me put pause on that. Maybe not so much. Right. No, I do think so. Um, I know for my own self, I just turned 60, and the last five years, I've really dedicated myself you know, to my body and not that I haven't before, but just uh, speed training, over speed training, learning more about uh, this, this end of the game. And then also uh, the mental side of the game, obviously, even though I'm teaching all day long, uh, my playing as well has really improved as I've aged. I mean, I'm obviously better mentally now than I was when I was, you know, in my 20s and 30s. I'm more mature. I understand, uh, you know, when to live another day. Um, and also, uh, not living and dying by shots. And, and I've always appreciated that about Phil. I think he's making wiser decisions now. Um, and I don't know if it's because he's older, uh, but he's certainly making wiser decisions. And I, and it's, it's fun to see that. Um, and obviously his talent level is, is off the charts. And so, um, I heard an, an interesting, um, interview this morning with Michael Breed and he had said, you know, that, I think we're 35 years past Jack's win, and he said I he felt like this was going to be exactly like that. One of the things that you know, when I'm 80 years old in 20 years, or uh, you know, or 85, I'm going to be talking to my grandchildren about Phil Mickelson's win at 50 years old and um, how great that was. And so I think it's one of those uh, points of light in the game that's going to go on for a long, long time. Brian, for those of us that have been watching Phil hit bombs, like he likes to say, off the tee over the last several years, but landing, you know, God knows where, right? He's hitting it all over the golf course. But then, you know, this past week, right, we saw him out driving the field, hitting fairways, that 366-yard drive he hit on 15, which is absolutely amazing and wonderful. And a lot of us are thinking, like, how did he do that? How does a guy 50 years old, almost 51, hit it like that. Now, I, I, you know, most of us will never have an idea of what that feels like. But for those of us that want right. to feel, hey, you know, hey, maybe I can get, you know, 10 yards longer, 15 yards longer, because Phil has gotten longer as he's gotten older. What are some things right. that, that the rest of us can do to maybe find 10 or 15 more yards in our drive? Well, well the really cool thing is, is we can learn speed. Our body can learn it. Our brains can remember it. Um, and so there's a number of, you know, devices that you can use out there. First of all, I always, you know, recommend that you get an assessment. Um, I'm very fortunate. I have a great team, um, you know, of, of health professionals along with coaching, um, with me. So they'll do physical assessments on people. We'll get them training properly so they don't get hurt. And then we'll start to add speed training in along with, you know, stability and endurance and strength. And so there's this, these programs that you can go on. Uh, what will happen with a lot of people is, is they'll start using these devices, um, you know, um, swinging a fan, a swing fan or something, you know, uh, with resistance, and they won't have a protocol to follow and they, they won't see results. They don't test. 
Um, they don't get data. So for me, I test every Monday, um, you know, for swing speed. Um, and some people, their motor patterns or their patterns don't move well enough to do non-dominant swing versus their dominant swing and they cause injury. And, and so we always want to start with an assessment. And then from that point on, um, that's not my expertise, that space. So I refer them into one of my teammates and they work with them. Uh, with the student and they just keep me in the loop onto what's happening. And, um, and then obviously we use TrackMan, right? So, uh, we see ball speed go up. We see swing speed go up. Uh, we see more center face contact with the student and they're hitting bombs. That's kind of how it works. Pretty cool. Brian, I've got, uh, my annual uh, trip with my buddies coming up here in a couple of weeks and, I need your help because one shot that I've never been able to figure out and play well is from a green side bunker. I'm either thinning it and it's going way over the green into, you know, God knows where, or I'm fatting right. it and it just stays in the bunker. What are some things? What's, is there a simple thing that I can keep in mind when I'm in the bunker to, to at least just get it out and onto the green? Yeah, I think, you know, the big thing is not to panic when you get in there. It's, uh, you may hear it a lot with even high-level players. They'd rather be in a bunker than, you know, being deep rough for the cabbage around the green. So, um, and they're very good at understanding how to use the bounce of the golf club or the release. So we want to be able to set up properly, have the ball more forward in our posture. Um, and it requires speed. So I teach my students kind of a, a cool method. We use live board. You just put a live board in, hit the board a few times with the bounce put a pile of sand on it, hit the sand off the board, put a ball on top of the sand, hit the sand and the board, and the ball goes off, and then move the board out of the way and then, you know, hit the sand. It, it trains you how to use the bounce. Um, while you're while you're learning that, you start to decompress a little bit and not panic as much and understand that the major goal is to get it out of the bunker. Um, and it's an area where people don't practice very often at all. I mean, my academy has a dedicated bunker and, you know, I'm the only one that uses it <laughs> to go in with students. Nobody else uses it. Uh, it's open to the public. And we have bunkers all over the golf course, fairways and greenside and they're deep and fluffy and people just don't practice it. That's why they panic. They're not prepared. So let's back up from the green a little bit. You know, we get those awkward bunker shots sometimes where we're 30, 40, 50 yards off the green, and now we've got to hit a longer bunker shot. How is that different, and what's that technique and setup like? Well, I think we have to pay attention to the sand first. Is it, you know, deep and soft, or is it firm? Uh, so we try to approach it just like a normal shot for our athletes. Uh, you get in, uh, not necessarily dig in. Like in a greenside bunker, you would dig in a little bit and then shorten your hands down. Uh, so if you go an inch into the sand with your feet, you go an inch down on the club. Uh, typically, we try to stay on top of the substrate a little bit more. And we just want to use speed and square the face and just hit it like it's a normal pitch shot. Um, we might use the dig a little bit more uh, than the bounce. We want people to get in there and and uh, just, again, not to panic and just say, look, this is just a standard pitch shot and I'm going to hit. Um, if it's the 40 yard shot, we want to feel like we're going to hit it about 60 yards and, uh, we just get through it and the athletes do really, really well. 
Let's talk chipping a little bit, Brian. And let's say we're, you know, right near the green. Maybe we're five yards, ten yards off the green. And mm-hmm. many of us have the same sort of issues, trouble chunking that shot or we come off it, we thin it, and the ball scurries all the way across the green and into trouble. Walk us through what that chip shot should look like from club selection. Are you, uh, you know, hey, maybe I had a seven or a nine or a pitching wedge. Do you like the same, uh, same club every time? And then what's our stance, ball position, weight distribution, you know, all that like so we hit a good shot? Yeah, I think, I think first of all, um, we need to understand a chip slow shot. So 90% on the ground and 10% in the air. So, um, I have no, uh, loyalty towards any club as long as it gets the job done. They're all tools and they can be used, or, or, you know, for in the rough or in the fringe could dictate definitely uh, what club we're going to use. But in general, uh, we teach the students that there's a, a line directly through the golf ball. And if the shaft sits above that line on top of it and above it, then we're going to have a low shot. So the ball will go more in our uh, posture. It'll go back farther. And we use our shoulders as an indicator. So if you were to have a logo on, uh, assuming a right-hander, uh, a logo on your right chest, that's where the ball position would be. And as soon as you start to move in close to the club, because it's vertical, um, it just makes natural sense to let the call, club uh, shaft lean a little bit more forward. Uh, one thing we do teach the students is to uh, take the hands a little bit more out of the shot. So we'll have them feel like their elbows are very close to their sides or, you know, close to their body. And we want to see their chest rotate a little bit more uh, back and through. So the club position, as far as the shaft lean, doesn't change. Uh, what will happen in a lot of cases is the athlete will add loft, uh, you know, at the bottom of the, of the shot. And that'll cause the ball to do all kinds of fun stuff. You'll chunk it and or you'll thin it you know, or you'll pop it up. And so we want to see that consistent chest movement. And that's one thing people don't learn when they chip a lot of times. They just kind of hit down on it and then they they don't move. Uh, So chipping requires movement, just like a full shot would. Um, And I tell my students too that no rough around the green is going to be any match for your chest moving, you know, or for your body moving. It's not, it won't, you know, so they can be confident in the shots that they hit and, uh, they do very, very well. And so we spend a lot of time exploring, you know, what club works best for them, you know, out of a certain lie, they, they'll have a certain myth and how do we, you know, what club do we want to use? So I bring your seven, bring your eight, bring your nine, bring your pitch, bring your slob. Um, and we'll figure out which one is best for us. So student A might use, you know, 58 degree wedge and, Student B might use a pitching wedge, and they're both effective. Brian, you mentioned being in the rough, and we saw the guys last weekend have a lot of shots from deep rough. So mm-hmm. let's talk about how to get out of the rough. If we find ourselves in the tall grass, let's say maybe, oh, I don't know, 150 yards or so away from the hole, what things do we need to consider when we're trying to hit that shot and keep it on the green versus you know, bouncing and it runs and it's now, now we're finding ourselves in a chipping situation because we've, we've flown the green and now we're in trouble. Right. Well, I think the golf course that I'm at, we have fescue. So it's really, really high, high rough. Um, it's very, very difficult when you get it off the fairway. And so, 
most people recommend wedge it sideways. Well, it's not practical. Sometimes you have to take a look at it. And we do a lot of prediction in golf. Uh, you know, how much grass is on the hosel of the club, how much is on the toe, what's in front of the golf ball, what's behind it. Sometimes you have no options. Sometimes you just have to go with what, what the rough gives you. But other times you can, can actually get that out and use it to your advantage. Uh, for example, if you're in the rough and you have a little bit of a, a downhill and, and the green is away from you a little bit, you might be able to, uh, take a little, uh, left loft and, you know, maybe wedge it out or hit a nine iron out and it might roll and, uh, you get it up in front of the green. Um, so we have to predict, you know, how it's going to come out and then, uh, also pay attention to the ball position in our posture. You know, is it back? forward? Is it in the middle? Um, so there's a lot of factors that are involved with it as you look at it, rather than just, um, wow, where's the ball? I'm lost. Uh, I don't know what to do. So we try to get, um, try to teach the player that, look, it's okay to miss, just miss short, miss in a good spot if you're going to miss, and then we'll get it up and down from there and get out of there with the par and we'll move on, you know, to another day. Um, most amateurs will try to make that one in a million shot and they, you know, they leave it in the rough and now they're in trouble. Speaking of going on trips, I know the last couple of years you've taken a group of people down to Bay Hill. Uh, I think you did, yeah. you just did that again recently. Talk about what those experiences sure. have been like. It's been great. Uh, this year we had 22, uh, students come down, uh, friends and uh, Brian Jacobs golf and, students and it was awesome we had people from all over the country come in and uh it was great we played four different venues um and obviously the crown jewel was playing at bay hill and and the fun thing is is uh 90 percent of the group never played there and so uh we played the the tournament course and then we also played their little course the charger every day and it was phenomenal uh the guys had so much fun. The resort was just phenomenal. The service was, you know, second to none. Um, we had a little snafu with our flight. Uh, I got stuck in Baltimore, um, for about nine hours. They had thunderstorms. So two people in the whole group got in and everybody else was, you know, they couldn't get into Florida. And then when we got there, there were no rental cars. And, but everybody forgot after about the first 10 hours, you know, once they got out on the golf course, it was just kind of, uh, you know, life on the course. It was, it was awesome. And I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm actually doing a small trip here, uh, next week to Kohler. So I'm going to meet a couple students there and, uh, spend just two days. So four rounds in two days and just really looking forward to it. I really enjoy, um, being with my students, you know, traveling and just seeing a different side of them rather than just on the lesson tee. So, Brian, I got to ask you the question. When you're down at Bay Hill, did you uh, drive it across the lake on six like Bryson DeChambeau did? I did not. Uh, one of our, in our group uh, from Abilene actually did. He had it across. Took him wow. four, though, but he did it. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Now, we weren't playing the, you know, the tour tees, but we were playing the, well, he was playing the more four, uh, the middle tees. Um, he smashes it. And so he, he said, I've been, this is the only reason I came on this trip. And I'm like, oh, thanks. <laughs> you know, I thought it was, you know, 
because of me. And he's like, well, no disrespect. I go, it's too late, you know. You know, <laughs> kind of like people say, well, you know, not to be offensive, and then you know you're going to get offended. Um, so he uh, he hit one, and he kind of just hooked it a little bit, and it almost made it. And the next one he hammered, and it was it was well over. And so, and he's like, Bryson, who? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, well, uh, dude, look about 70 yards back, and that's where he hit it from. So, so we didn't want to minimize his accomplishment, but after he was rude to me, I felt like I needed to stick a fork in him a little bit. So, <laughs> but it was great. And then uh, we said, well, look, your first one doesn't count. You can you can play that one. And then he proceeded to make a, you know, a bogey from, you know, where he was. And I'm like, if I was that close, I would be making an Eagle, you know? And so <laughs> just, but, but at dinner, I mean, he was the King, man. We just, you know, got him a Bay Hill Hummer and pizza cake. And I mean, he just, it was a ball and he's actually going to color as well. So he's, he's a ton of fun. Um, I've played with him a couple of times on uh, various trips and, he hits it in places you wouldn't, couldn't imagine and you won't see him for 10 minutes. And then there he is on the green. And you're like, Oh, are you still playing golf with us? And it's like, yeah, I was up on the <laughs> hill over here and looking at the sheep and, you know, so, so he's, wow. he's a lot of fun. He, he hits it a mile. So, um, just, just a ton of fun. Great. And there's so many characters, you know, in this game and I just enjoy, uh, so much. Uh, when he's on trips, he's just a lot of laughs. Brian, just a couple more before I let you go. And sure. Hal Sutton put out a tweet a few days ago asking if you could have a great mental game or a great swing, which one would you choose? I know you how said I responded. mental game for sure. Yeah, <laughs> you said mental Absolutely. game for sure. Why? Um, we're just seeing it a lot. With uh, I could share even today, I had a real challenge. You know, there's we have so many talented people that can't that can't or won't think, you know, and their attitudes are so um, rigid as far as like, this is the timeline and this is how it should go. And this is how everything should be. Um, and it's just not how it is. I mean, they have beautiful golf swings. You know, my swing is beautiful. I hit it great. Why can't I score? Well, how do you think? You know, and they're like, well, what do you mean? Like, I hear you mumbling when you hit a four shot, when you don't hit it perfect. You know, and I said, do you think you're going to hit it perfect every day? Well, yeah, I should. I mean, I, I shot, you know, even par the other day. And then I shot 78. And I'm like, okay. And then you shot 68 the day after. It's a difference. Well, it's my ball striking. Is it? Or is it your thinking? You know, like, how did you feel? Well, the day I shot 78, I was rushed. You know, I didn't get a chance. Okay, well, here's the thing. You have to be able to control your environment a little bit better. So you either have to insulate yourself, which is literally impossible from the outside world. And that's what I appreciated about guys like Jack Nicholas. He and Tiger, they just can insulate themselves or could insulate themselves just from what was going on around them so well. Um, I always felt like their strongest attribute, you know, regardless of their talent, was how mentally strong they were, how they were just going to will things to happen. Um, you know, and that's, that's a real gift, I think. But it, and I also feel that it can be learned at a lot of levels. I've, I'm teaching a young man that's just incredibly talented, but his attitude is turd, you know, and, and he's just being very, very good 
at what he does, everything, school, you know, everything. And but golf is, is um it's very difficult for him mentally. And when he doesn't play well, he disengages really quickly. Like, well, you're going to stop playing. You're just going to quit. He's like, well, why? I go, because you don't have any fun. <laughs> you know, it's a game. <laughs> so I think, you know, when I'll put that out, I jumped on it right away. I just think we just need to develop uh, more um, mental attributes. We need to be stronger, uh, you know, and we also need to be incredibly resilient and forgiving. You know, we have show ourselves a lot of mercy and a lot of patience in this game or otherwise we just give up too hard. Brian, before I let you go, I, we obviously got to discuss your Buffalo Bills. Your boys beat yeah, my boys yes, the Steelers last season and we start yeah. this upcoming season against one another again. How do you feel about the Bills draft, what they've done over the offseason and uh, can they get over the hump against the Chiefs this year? Yeah, I feel good. Uh, I just played golf with a bunch of them yesterday. So Mitchell Trubisky was up and uh, Jordan Devy, who they just signed. So he's a good locker room guy as well. Great, great, phenomenal line. And uh, Chiefs and, and um, Patriots and Raiders. Uh, and so Dawson Knox, Dave Davis, Mike Bucker. So I said, well, you know, I try not to talk about it too much. And they're ready. You know, they have, they're at OTAs. So I think. I think there are voluntary 70 guys came up, which is, is pretty good. That means they're, they're kind of on a mission, you know, to make this thing happen. And, and, um, it's interesting, you know, they're, they're upbeat and positive and, and they're ready to roll. So it'll be interesting. They've added, I think, some good pieces in the draft and I don't think they're done yet, you know, with, with, uh, free agency. Um, you know, I think they'll make some trades probably and, and, uh, you know, try to get some bargain, bargain one year guys. Um, and Josh Allen obviously is, is just progressing so well. And uh, he's a great kid too. Like he's just, they're so happy that they're winning. And, and so who knows what'll happen. They, they put it on Pittsburgh pretty good. So I'm hoping, hoping it'll be, you know, a close game this year. Well, Brian, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to come back and uh, be a part of the show. You're fantastic as always, my friend. It's always a real treat to get to spend time with you. Thanks, Chris. I enjoy it as always and happy to come on anytime. This is one of my favorite interviews to do with you and, and, uh, I'm good for 20 more times at least. <laughs> I appreciate that very much, my friend. You're the best. Remind our listeners how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing. Yeah, BrianJacobsGolf.com uh, is my website, and uh, at BrianJacobsGolf on Twitter and Instagram. And I have a YouTube channel now, too, where I have my content up, and, and that's uh, at BrianJacobsGolf as well. And try to keep it consistent so I can remember everything. Um, but uh, there's some <laughs> good content on there, and we're starting to pick up followers. And, and uh, if anyone has questions or, or uh, you know, wants to subscribe, I always answer. They can send videos. and and I'll uh, assess them and, and uh, get them on the right path. You're the best, my friend. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Look forward oh, to catching well. up with you again soon. Thanks so much, Chris. Yep, be safe and uh, be well, and, and uh, congratulations on all your success. I appreciate you very much, Brian. Same to you. Take care, my friend. All the best to you and your family. You as well. That's a great Brian Jacobs. Brian Jacobs golf all over the place. 
to stay up to date with the great content that Brian is putting out. And that offer to send him a video of your swing, I would take him up on that because, like I say, he's one of the very best instructors in the game. Again, PGA Magazine Top 100 PGA Development Award for 2020. It's hard to come uh, any better than that. So you get an offer from Brian to send him a video. Please take him up on that. Let him do an assessment of you and where you're at and what uh, what could help you get to uh, whatever the next threshold is for you. Trying to break 100, trying to break 90, trying to break 80, whatever it is, Brian's the guy that can help you do it, and uh, and he's a, just a wonderful human being on top of that. And I certainly hope my Steelers put it on him this year. I don't know if you guys remember, but I had to wear a, a Buffalo Bills jersey and put it out on social media after they uh, beat my boys last year. So I'm hoping very much to see Brian in a Steelers jersey out on uh, social media come a little bit later on this September. Folks, before I close up shop tonight, I want to let you know that tickets are on sale now for the Tour Championship here in Atlanta at Eastlake Golf Club. The tournament's going to be held September 2nd through 5th. And folks, Eastlake is one of the most prestigious and beautiful golf clubs in the country. If you've never been to the tournament, you're going to be wowed by the course, the amenities, and how well you're treated there. Go online to tourchampionship.com to get your tickets today to watch the top 30 players on tour this season decide who will be the FedEx Cup champion and who walks away with the $15 million first place check. All right, my friends, it is time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Tee. My sincere thanks again to Keith Jarvis, Dr. Bob Jones, Keith Hirschland, and Brian Jacobs for joining me tonight. Please check out our website, nextonthetea.net. On there, you'll be able to keep up to date with what our guest schedule looks like. And scheduled to join me next week are our resident director of instruction, Tom Patrick, who will be back. We'll get a return visit from four-time winner on the PGA Tour, Chip Beck. One of the best U.S. kids instructors on the planet, along with guest tonight, Keith Jarvis, and an- another wonderful person. On top of that is Michelle Holmes. Really excited to have Michelle back on the show. Then we'll round out the show with another one of the top instructors in the game. Jim McLean will also be here. So, folks, another great show on tap for you again next week. I hope you'll come back and be a part of it with us. You can stream this show as a podcast on a number of great podcasting sites and apps like Podcast.co, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Audioboom, Player.fm, Odyssey, Amazon Music. We are all over the place. So if you've got a favorite podcasting app, just go to the search bar and type in Next on the T. I bet you'll find us on there as well. And folks, if you enjoyed the show, please do me a favor and go online to podcastmagazine.com and vote for the show and their Hot 50 list. When you're on their site, just click Hot 50 that you're going to find at the top. And then you're going to get a drop-down list, which includes Hot 50 voting. Please click on that. And then just type in the name of the show and my name, Chris Mascaro, as host. I'd really appreciate your support. Folks, thanks again for choosing to listen to the show tonight. I know you've got a lot of golfing content out there that you can listen to. I really appreciate the fact that you continue to make Next on the Tee a part of it. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.